Let me ask you today. Did you ever do something impulsively, uh, maybe out of a fit of anger or just not thinking clearly and then like regret it later? <laughs> I, th- I think we all have, haven't we? Of course we have. You know, even the great leader like Moses acted impulsively as well. And it cost him dearly. Oh, yeah. You know what happened? He let people push his buttons. That's probably something that we should all work on. Don't let people push your buttons. Don't let them get under your skin and drive you to do something that you regret later. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. Today, we continue in our series, Walking with Moses, and we're going to see Moses and the rock and what happened at the rock. Actually, Moses had two experiences with the rock. Uh, one was good. One, uh, it's not that good. So I think we've got some good life lessons here today on New Hope Radio. So thank you for joining me. This is from us, one of our services here at New Hope. And we'll be back to wrap it up and hopefully talk to you about supporting the effort in Ukraine through Samaritan's Purse with medical and spiritual support. So I'll see you at the end of the message. Did you ever find yourself doing something over and over? It's not right, but yet you kept doing it and you never learned from it. It always backfires. You don't have good results, but we keep doing it. Maybe it's a bad habit over and over. Just can't break that cycle. Maybe it's a particular response to something When you hear something that you don't like, you have that same old response all the time. You want to go for the throat. Or you see something you don't like and you have that same response. Could be anything in your life, but you just, you keep repeating that behavior, even though it's not a good behavior. And it never comes out right, but we keep doing it over and over and over. That's where we find the people of Israel. Remember their first complaint? They're in the wilderness on their way to the land of promise. And uh, along the way, they complained against Moses because they came to a barrier. The barrier was a body of water called the Red Sea. And they complained. The sea was in front of them. The mountains were on the side. Here comes the Egyptians, and they're really mad. They got to the Red Sea, and they grumbled. They grumbled because they said Moses brought them out to die in the desert. They said, weren't there any graves in Egypt? You had to bring us out here to die. Well, you know, that wasn't true, because God parted the sea, and they walked across on dry ground. Then, a little while later, about six weeks later, actually, they grumbled again, Because they said Moses brought them out into the desert to kill them with starvation. They were hungry. And that wasn't true either. God provided food. Manna in the morning, quail at night. Well, take a look at this one. Exodus 17, verse 1. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel, they journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin, According to the command of the Lord, they camped at Rephidim, and there was, uh uh-oh, no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people 
quarreled. It means that they, they contended with Moses. And they said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Seems like we're always testing God when we drop our faith. We don't live in faith and we're testing God. Remember last time in Exodus 16, Moses said to them when they grumbled against him and Aaron because they had no food, he said, your grumbling's not against us. It's against the Lord. And like we said last time, makes you think twice about who you grumble against. Because perhaps God takes that grumbling personally. So in verse 3, Exodus 17, the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses, same old pattern again. They grumbled against Moses, and they said, Why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? First it was to die in the desert at the hands of the Egyptians. Then it was to die of starvation. Now it's to die of thirst. You think Moses had a tough job? I do. Verse 4. So Moses cried out to the Lord. And he said, what shall I do to this people? A little more, and they will stone me. They were making threats against Moses. We're going to kill you before you kill us. Basically what they're saying. They were going to stone Moses. But you know what God did? He met the people right where they were, and they're complaining. Because you know why? That's grace. That's the grace of God. When God meets people in their complaints, sometimes our complaints don't move God. They don't bother him. He's bigger. He's bigger than our complaints. And many times he'll meet us right where we are, and he'll give us grace. So that God met the people where they were. So God told Moses, take his staff, the one that he struck the Nile River with when he turned it to blood, and they said, there's a rock at Horeb. Big rock, Moses. I want you to go up there to that rock. And take that, and the staff that he took, that was a symbol of power. And holding it was a sign of dependence and trust in God. See, there was nothing magical about the staff, but it symbolized his trust in God. What's our staff? What symbolizes our trust in God? Hopefully, it could be an attitude of rest. That could be your staff. An attitude of rest. Where I'm going to rest in the Lord. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to freak. I'm going to rest in God. And maybe it's good to have a reminder, something that brings to your remembrance the value of faith and trusting in God. Moses had a reminder. It was the staff. And every time he held that staff, he remembered, God is with me. I don't have to fear. God is here. So in verse 9, behold, God said, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. 
Notice he included the elders. You know why? Because they were co-leaders with Moses. Oh, Moses needed those elders. He leaned on them. Like every pastor leans on elders. He needs them. He needs them to help carry the burden. He needs them to help alleviate the pressure, minister to the people. So the elders had to be part of this miracle because they were right there with Moses and they needed to see up close what God could do. So we have a second water miracle. Two water miracles in Exodus. The first one, God removed the water, right, when he parted the sea. The second one, he gave them water so they could drink. In verse 7, this is a commentary on the faith of the people. He named the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel and because they, uh-oh, tested the Lord. And you know what the test was? Is the Lord among us or not? Is God here or not? Oh, what short memories they had. Wait a minute. Didn't God part the Red Sea? Yeah, he was there. Hmm. Didn't God bring manna from heaven? Yeah, he was there. Didn't he bring quail at night? Yeah, he was there. Yet they're still asking the question, is God here? Is God among us? Just like the Pharisees in the days of Jesus. Do another sign, then we'll believe. Man, he raised the guy from the dead. He gave sight to the blind. He let the lame walk. He fed multitudes of people. And yet they said, do another sign, and then we'll believe. It's something about human beings, and you know what that is? We're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. No matter what God does, we're never satisfied. You know, if you're a Christian today, and I hope you are, you're going to heaven. But you're not satisfied. You want blessings and prosperity. You want perfect health. You want a big house on the ocean. You want a car that starts every day. I wouldn't mind that. But it's like, wait a minute, we're heaven bound. That's the greatest thing there is. Everything else, secondary. But we're not satisfied. Oh, so then we go to churches where they promise blessing and prosperity and wealth and health and all that baloney that's not real. Because they're not satisfied. More and more. God, give us more and more and more and more. So not satisfied. I get a kick out of the news when they say, all the ships off the coast, they, they're not being unloaded. Oh, the, we're not going to have Christmas this year. I'm like, what's that got to do with Christmas? Those ships could all sink. We're still going to have Christmas. Because Christmas is not about what's on those ships. Christmas is about what's in the manger. It's about the Lord Jesus. That's what it's about. You know? The Grinch can steal Christmas, but they still had Christmas in Whoville, didn't they? True to life story. Right? So, we can have Christmas too. So, Moses, he's obedient to God. And uh, the people are testing God. It's like one guy has faith and two million don't. What's wrong with that picture? One guy's got faith. Two million don't. Now the elders are going to get faith because they're hanging out with Moses at the rock. So, question. Are there times in your life that make you question, is God with you? God is always with you. 
So it's a question you don't have to ask. You don't have to say, oh, is God with me in this? Doesn't God see? Of course he sees. Doesn't God know? Of course he knows. He's right there with you. He was there when they were hungry. He was there when they were thirsty. He was there when they were boxed in at the Red Sea. He's always there. I believe it sometimes takes the dark time to really see the light of the Lord. Maybe we'd be blind to God if he took the need for God away. It's good to have a need because the need draws us to him. Remember when we started this message today, the question, did you ever find yourself doing something over and over and you never learned your lesson? Just keep doing it and you don't learn. Well, here we go again. Now we're going to be in Numbers chapter 20. The Israelites are in another place, the wilderness of Zin. And you know what we've got now? Another water shortage. They're in the desert. Not a lot of water in the desert. So there's another shortage of water. So in verse 3 of Numbers 20, the people thus contended with Moses, here we go again, and they spoke saying, if only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. These people still want to die. They still like, no, Moses, just kill us. We don't like this journey. We wish we were dead. We'd rather be dead than thirsty. Really? Once again, they questioned, rather attacked the leading of Moses and Aaron. So Moses and Aaron went on their faces before the Lord, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. They got really close with God. You know, I like that. When the people complained, Moses prayed. Imagine if all the people prayed instead of complained. Imagine if all the people prayed for water instead of just Moses and Aaron. Imagine if all the people humbled themselves and were on their knees before God, like Moses and Aaron. But they didn't. People would rather complain than pray. They'd rather bring the problem to each other than bring the problem to God. Oh, there's a lot to learn in the book of Exodus. So in verse 8, you know what God did? He met them again and their complaints. More grace. God continues to meet them where they are. And I think because of what we said last time, it's more important that they get to know him rather than he rebuke them. That's what God wants for the whole world. He just wants people to know him. That's all. Just know God. This is why we come to church, to know God. And the more you come to church, the more you'll know him. You come to church a lot, you'll know God a lot. Come to church a little, you'll know God a little. But that's all God wants. Just get to know me. Because you know what? The more we get to know God, the more our life changes. And that's, that's, that's what it's all about. A changed life. It, it can only come through knowing God. It doesn't come through law. It doesn't come through ritual. It doesn't come through commandments. It comes from knowledge. It comes from knowing God. 
And God just changes us little by little by little. These people should have got to know God through all of these miracles, but they didn't. They were not learning anything. They were repeating the same bad behavior over and over and over. So God meets them where they are. And he said in verse 8 to Moses, take the rod. There it is again, that staff. And you and your brother Aaron, assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may yield water. Now this time Moses is to speak to the rock. What was he going to say? I don't know. Gush forth. I don't know. God doesn't tell us. But we have a different approach this time. The first time, God told him, strike the rock with your staff. The second time, speak to the rock. Hmm. God said, you shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. Now Moses, he's half obedient. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as God had commanded him. So he got the staff, and he's up on that rock, and he's ready to go. So far, so good, doing everything God asked him to do. They get all the people together for this great feat. And then you know what happened? Moses lost it. He lost it. In verse 10, he said, listen now, you rebels. He's supposed to talk to the rock. Instead, he's talking to the Israelites. Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? And then Moses lifted up his hand. Oh, he struck the rock twice with his rod. Oh, water came out. Water came forth abundantly. And the congregation and their beasts drank. God still honored the complaints of the people. And even though Moses did the wrong thing, see, you can't hinder the plan of God. If God's going to bring water out of a rock, no one can stop it. And if God's going to work in this world and bring about his plan, no one can stop it. We cannot hinder the plan of God. God is going to do what God is going to do. So God had been gracious every time with the people in their complaints. But Moses couldn't take it anymore. Like we said, he had a tough job. Moses had a really difficult job to lead those people. See, human beings have limitations. But thankfully, God does not. Moses was human. He could only take so much. And even though he was a man of great faith, he still had his moments of weakness. Here's the lesson. Here's what God wants us to learn. Water for the thirsty. Bread for the hungry. Home for the homeless. Rest for the weary. Pardon for the sinful. This is grace. God wants us to learn. He's a graceful God. In our complaining, he's graceful. In our doubting, he's graceful. In our lack of faith, he's graceful. God is a God of grace. 
This is what makes the gospel good news. And what hurts God's heart is our failure to give grace like he does. So what, what, what's the symbolism here between Moses striking the rock and speaking to the rock? Because we're going to see next time Moses dies. Moses doesn't get into the promised land because of this grave mistake. Even though he was a great leader and a great man, he doesn't get in. Because the mistake that he made disqualified him. And I think the mistake was so grave was because the first time God brought him to the rock and he said, strike the rock. We have a picture of the cross and Jesus being judged for the sins of the world. And then later on, he brings him to another rock and he says, speak to the rock. And that's the resurrected Christ. And Moses struck what symbolized the resurrected Christ. And pretty soon, God kills him. He takes him home. He says, Moses, there's the promised land. See it? Yep. You're not getting in because of what you did to that rock. That was my son. What you did to my son and his resurrection. You undid the whole plan of salvation symbolically. That's how important that resurrection is to God. So everybody fails. Oh, everybody has their limitations. I know I have failed as a pastor time and again. I failed to give grace when grace should have been given. And I'm just thankful God gave me grace when I didn't deserve it. But he gave it to me anyway, even though I failed to give it. So perhaps our need brings us to the rock. And the rock is Christ. He's the rock that we stand on. He's the rock that we build our lives on. He's the rock that we what? Speak to. He's already been struck. It's in that place we either receive or give grace. So every time you come to a point or a place in life where the grace question arises, remember the rock. Remember the rock, <clears throat> the second rock. That's the resurrection rock. That's the rock of grace. We are living in resurrection times. So that means it's really good that we receive the grace of God, but it's also very good that we give the grace of God. Learn to give grace the same way that we receive it. Let's bow our heads. Lord, it's in your grace that you found us and you saved us and you redeemed us. We thank you, Lord, for that. I pray, God, that as your people, we learn how to give grace as well as receive it. And thank you that you do meet us in our complaints, even when we have those times. And we want you to know if you're here today without Jesus Christ, God wants you. He wants you in a relationship with him. He wants you to know him, like we said. Oh, he just wants everybody to know him. 
to draw close to him. And you can do that right now. If you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, you can do it right now. Just say, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he came as a man from heaven. He was God. He became a man. Went to a cross, shed his blood, covered all my sins, and he ascended into heaven. So God, because of what Jesus did, I ask you to accept me and forgive me and make me your own. I'm coming to you not on the basis of who I am or what I can do, but on what Jesus did for me. I thank you for the freely offering me that gives us salvation in Christ's name. Amen. That's it. Boy, I'll tell you, isn't that the greatest demonstration of grace? God sending his son. There's no greater demonstration because grace is the gift of God that is undeserved, unmerited. It comes from the heart of God. And like I said, if we receive God's grace, then let's give God's grace. Let's give God's grace to people. Nobody's perfect. We're all weebles and we all wobble. And we need wobble room in our lives, don't we? We certainly do. So we look at the life of Moses, and Moses, yes, he was a great leader, but he had that one failure. I believe he's in heaven today, but he didn't get into the promised land because, you know, God loves his son. And how his son is represented, oh, it's very, very serious and very important to God. It certainly is. It's all about Jesus. Let me tell you something. Everything in life is about Jesus. Everything is to him, for him, and through him. He is the central figure of all of life. And what people need to do is get to know this Jesus and alter their lives and revolve their lives around him. That's what it means to live. To live is to orient your life around Jesus Christ, one who loved you, he came, and he died for you. And he offers you forgiveness and eternal life and an everlasting presence with him. I want to remind you we're collecting support for Ukraine. Hopefully your church is collecting money and sending it to Samaritan's Purse or some other Christian organization that's helping the folks out there. Very terrible situation. Terrible. Many of them are brothers and sisters in Christ. They're believers. If you want to help, send them an offering or send it through us as well. Go to newhopecc.tv. Click on giving, then e-giving. Choose the fund. It says Ukraine. Fill in the amount, your information, and we're sending out checks to Franklin Graham Samaritan Purse. But maybe it's better if you just try to get your church on board. Go to your church leaders. Get them on board and get them feeling the pain that the folks in Ukraine are feeling. That's a, that'll motivate you, that's for sure. And you know why we do it? To the glory of God. Jesus said, I desire compassion, not sacrifice, compassion. What a great way to show compassion to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thanks for coming along. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.